0: Funding for NJ Spotlight News, provided by the members of the New Jersey Education Association. Making public schools great for every child. And RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together.
1: Tonight on NJ Spotlight News, calls for a ceasefire as the death toll and humanitarian crisis worsens in Gaza. Patterson residents putting pressure on Representative Bill Pascrell to take a stand.
2: It's as simple as um, uh, you know, asking that he be there for us in the most dire situation in our largest, highest, most urgent time of need and he's left us hanging.
1: Also, everyone gets a pay raise. The lame duck legislature is expected to approve wage increases for not only judges and cabinet officials, but also for themselves.
3: So everybody's going to want to jump in and get a piece of the pie.
1: Plus, strict rules on breweries are set to return, but some brewery owners are begging for a lifeline.
4: Sometimes it just feels like New Jersey does not want us to succeed, and, and that's that's kind of a tough pill to swallow.
1: And creating change. Meet a Jersey City changemaker who's providing kids with a safe space to get mental health services.
5: Our first goal is to create an environment where they feel welcome, they feel open, They feel that they can come into and be their natural selves.
1: NJ Spotlight News begins right now.
0: From NJ PBS Studios, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venosi.
1: Good evening, and thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night. I'm Brianna VanOzzi. The prospect for a new ceasefire proposal in Gaza appears unlikely, even as pressure grows to de-escalate the violence in the Israel-Hamas war. Israel's military chief says the war against Hamas will continue for quote many more months, echoing the words of Israel's prime minister Benjamin Netanyahu that this conflict is far from over. As Israel expands combat to refugee camps in the Gaza Strip, the Gaza run health ministry says more than 20,000 Palestinians have been killed since the war started on October 7th. Here at home, Muslims are mobilizing against longtime Congressman Bill Pascrell, urging him to support a ceasefire. Pascrell represents Patterson, home to one of the largest Palestinian American communities in the country. And as senior political correspondent David Cruz reports, the same constituency that helped Pascrell remain in office now wants him out.
6: It could seem politically counterintuitive to not support calls for a ceasefire in a conflict where tens of thousands of people are dying and atrocious acts of violence are being committed. But in Patterson, the city with the nation's largest Palestinian community and the state's largest Muslim communities live, the congressman, Bill Pascrell, refuses to sign on to the idea, echoing the consensus among New Jersey's congressional delegation that the fight is with Hamas, not Palestine. Now,
3: I can't control the politics of Israel. But they have every right to protect
6: themselves and protect themselves. That was Pascrell at a recent fundraiser getting applause for his unflinching support of Israel. Part of his district also has a large Jewish population. But as this cell phone video shows, Pascrell also got an earful from activists in attendance. October's attacks have changed the political dynamic between Pascrell and the Palestinian, Arab and Muslim communities here. Yushra Matari's late grandfather Abraham was a stalwart of the Palestinian community and a longtime supporter and fundraiser for Pascrell. She says she can't see herself or her community supporting Pascrell today.
7: The least we could do at this point is withhold votes. We cannot in good conscience vote for somebody who in 80 days has not in any way taken any action to stop the killings.
6: Pascrell has signed on to letters calling for increased humanitarian aid and supported the so-called humanitarian pause, but that has not stopped the mounting discontent with the ninth district congressman. Wasim Kanan is with Muslims for Palestine, but says he's speaking here as a member of the community at large.
2: I mean, for us, it's as simple as asking that he be there for us in the most dire situation, in our largest, highest, most urgent time of need, and he's left us hanging. Um, given us talking points that are outdated, that are inherently uh, racist, but in this situation, uh, when he faces his upcoming uh, challenger, um, we will not be
6: in his corner. And it's been a long time since anyone has heard that sentiment coming from this community in this district, a new phenomenon for an elected official looking to run for reelection next year.
4: If you're seen as moving too far in the Israeli direction, then you are not keeping Palestinian, the Palestinian side happy. And if you're seen as moving the Palestinian side, you're seen as not keeping the Israeli side happy. That's something that, uh, you know, listen, let's face it, members of Congress have staked out a career by keeping everybody happy. And that is less and less possible since October 6th.
6: And some, like Patterson Mayor Andre Seya, who's been a ceasefire advocate since the conflict began, have noticed. Sayah, who's Syrian and Lebanese, speaks the language of these disaffected, literally. He's all but said he's looking to run for Congress, but Pascrell has survived challenges before, often with the Arab, Palestinian, and Muslim communities behind him. But this is a district that includes Bergen County towns with large Jewish populations too, putting the congressman directly between the proverbial rock and hard place. I'm David Cruz, NJ Spotlight News.
1: Prosecutors aren't giving leniency to Senator Bob Menendez's request for a delay in his federal corruption trial. The senator's defense team asked to push back the start date, which is scheduled for May 6, by at least two months. In a letter sent Tuesday, prosecutors urged Manhattan Judge Sidney Stein to reject the idea, writing that the current trial schedule is reasonable and defendants should be required to stick to it, to, quote, vindicate the public's interest in a speedy trial of this matter. The senator's defense attorneys say they need more time to sift through millions of pages of files that were turned over in discovery. Menendez, his wife, and a handful of associates have pleaded not guilty to charges of a sweeping bribery conspiracy conspiracy that alleges Menendez and his wife accepted cash, gold bars and a luxury car in exchange for his influence on foreign affairs. Menendez has also pleaded not guilty to acting as an unregistered foreign agent for the Egyptian government. The senator is seeking re-election in 2024, and New Jersey's primary is held in June after the trial is slated to begin. A bill that would strengthen job protections for tens of thousands of domestic workers in the state is moving through Trenton. These are jobs that include house cleaners, home health aides, nannies and even gardeners, people who are far from the public eye. And it aims to end carve-outs that have allowed their employers to pay less than the minimum wage or offer breaks and time off. As Melissa Rose Cooper reports, the legislation survived a vote from the full Senate late last week, despite some opposition.
7: I
2: would say the majority of domestic workers, when we perform this work, we do it with passion. We do it with love.
7: Yet Evelyn says, says that love is often overlooked by their employers leading to long hours with no breaks
2: at eight o'clock and we finish at four o'clock, you know, taking care of someone who needs a lot of, uh, who, who needs, you know, who needs our attention and we're not able even to take um, a break for us and that have an impact in, in, you know, that has an impact in our mental health.
7: So SAS is hoping new legislation will change that. The Domestic Workers Bill of Rights provides labor protections for more than 50,000 domestic workers across New Jersey who have historically been excluded. Under the measure, employers would be prevented from paying domestic employees less than the state minimum wage, paid meal and rest breaks would be mandatory, and employers would be required to enter a written contract with domestic workers. Employers in violation would be subject to penalties.
2: We are living in the 2020 uh, in 2023, and domestic workers continue being excluded in basic key elements of of labor law in um, in New Jersey and other protection that other workers enjoy, and that this bill basically trying to raise the standard workers who were, uh, who were, who has been historically left behind and historically being has been marginalized.
7: Virgilio Aran is an organizer and coordinator for the National Domestic Workers Alliance in New Jersey. Since those who take care of children, the sick and elderly, as well as people who perform gardening and cleaning duties are considered domestic workers, Aran says they play vital roles in keeping the economy going.
2: It is, a small step with huge implication, and part of those implication it is basically the dignification or dignifying um, the work that women perform in this um, in this society. That it is not just about taking care, um, but also extending, uh, you know, basic rights to. To, uh, women.
7: According to a 2020 report from the Rutgers Center for Women and Work, 86% of domestic workers are paid in cash, most without a contract. 57% have been victims of wage theft and many workers have no health insurance or paid time off. A third of domestic employees also report they were even refused unpaid sick time. Unfortunately, I can't say that we would get to a point where we're in favor of the bill just because the nature of the bill provides more burdensome requirements on doing business in New Jersey, but we are at a point where we are neutral, we are concerned with the bill, we still have some members that do have concerns with the bill, even as amended but we do believe it struck that balance between providing worker protection and also making New Jersey an affordable place to live and do business. Before clearing the Senate last week, the bill was amended to include provisions to help ease the concerns of business owners who felt the measure would place an unfair burden on them and make their cost of business unaffordable. The bill is still pending consideration in the Assembly. Advocates say they hope it becomes law soon so domestic workers can get the fair treatment they deserve. For NJ Spotlight News, I'm Melissa Rose Cooper.
1: As the final days of the lame duck legislative session come to a close, lawmakers are expected to consider a potentially controversial item pay raises for judges, for Cabinet officials, and for themselves. The last time salaries for the part-time positions got a bump was in 2000. That was under former Governor Christy Whitman. And while there are a lot of arguments backing the need for a pay raise, eyebrows are raising over the way it's being done. For more, I'm joined by Bergen Record political columnist Charlie Style. Hey Charlie good to see you uh, okay so before we get into the cynical part of this the fact of the matter is these lawmakers they haven't had a raise in almost a quarter century so is that why this is the time that they're looking to do this?
3: That and the fact that you have a lot of departing legislators in the lame duck who uh, their careers are over either through retirement or they lost and they no longer have to face voters or the wrath of voters, so uh, they can, you know, hold their nose with one hand and pull the lever yes on the other.
1: Certainly this may not sit well with some taxpayers, but how much money do they make, and is it commensurate with, you know, our our partners in surrounding states?
3: Uh, They make about $49,000 for what is on paper a part-time job, and the last time that was uh, um, approved was in 2000. As commensurate to other states, no, it's below. Most states, I think uh, New York, it uh, makes 142,000. Uh, legislators make 142,000, about 103,000 in Pennsylvania. And they're technically full-time legislators. You'll hear a lot of that argument from lawmakers uh, who say, yeah, I spend about you know most of my free time as a legislator, as an assemblyman, I'm at events around uh, my district. Yeah, I'm on the weekends.
1: Well, and it's and it's certainly I'm, a valid you know, argument. We know from, from covering these folks that they need to be accessible yeah. at all times. But I guess, Charlie, yeah. I'm curious about the process. We're in lame duck. We've already gotten past uh, an election where all the members were on the ballot. So are they going about this in the normal process that we would see? Uh, to approve what's essentially going to be a, a big jump in pay, not just for them but for their staff as well.
3: Well, you have to define normal. Uh, I mean, I've been in Trenton long enough to to see that uh, when something is politically uh, risky or uh, controversial like this, uh, they ram it through in the uh, at, you know, with minimal uh, public scrutiny. When that's whether at the end of a budget season when they're jamming pork through or lame duck, So in that sense, it's normal.
1: How likely is it for this to happen and for these to be the final numbers that you mentioned previously?
3: I would say the odds are pretty good that something will happen. I'm not sure it's gonna be $85,000. I think there's some pull from the assembly side uh, for a smaller number. Remember, they're gonna face the voters in two years the Senate and four, so they're feeling. They, I think they want a little uh, insurance. And meanwhile, that the the governor's office is also using this opportunity to raise, or would like to see this opportunity to raise uh, salaries for cabinet and subcabinet level members. And then again, there's the judiciary. So right. everybody is going to want to jump in and get a piece of the
1: pie. Which the governor's office argues is in order to get uh, competitive candidates and to fight with the, uh, the private yeah. sector. Charlie Style is yeah. a columnist for the Bergen record. Charlie, thank you so much.
3: Oh, my pleasure.
1: Meanwhile, brewery owners would like to see lawmakers come to an agreement on their rules and regs before the end of Lame Duck. Owners say the state's strict guidelines for breweries is pushing them out. And a continued standoff between Governor Murphy's office and the legislature over how to move forward is only making the situation worse. Leaving the businesses in limbo as the clock winds down on a crucial January 1st deadline. Ted Goldberg reports.
4: Basically, uh... This is where all the magic happens.
8: It's been four years since Mike Jones left behind a career as a radiation therapist at Sloan Kettering to work full-time at Hackensack Brewing.
4: For the first year, so it was real crazy. I would like uh, come in, harvest yeast in the morning, jump on a bus, go treat patients for 12 hours, come back, dry hop.
8: Jones says he took a pay cut to pursue his passion in beer making.
4: I made really good money. I had a great career. I, I love working in oncology. This is different. This is my baby.
8: Like any baby, the brewery has been a labor of love, mixed with some aggravation here and there. Jones's brewery tries to stay involved with the Hackensack community.
4: This painting is a depiction of the actual War of Outposts down the block at Newbridge Landing in 1780.
8: But it's become much more uncertain with stricter brewery regulations going back into effect in the new year. Restrictions put on hold in July, which include a cap on private and public events. And the ability to coordinate with food trucks, so patrons can enjoy meals while drinking, restrictions which brewers say handcuff their business.
4: If you're not planning, you're dying in any small business, especially in our business. We have local vendors that want to do things here, uh, whether it be food trucks or um, or something like that. But we we have the inability to plan, and that is like the death toll.
3: We don't know if we could book weddings. We don't know if we need to lay people off in our case rooms or lay off production staff as our need for production is about to decrease dramatically.
8: Scott Wells is the director of sales at Bolero Snort, another Bergen County brewery hampered by uncertainty.
3: I'm going to have to say no to giving an event that has a great charitable component because it's not a moneymaker.
8: The brewers tell us that the state's division of alcoholic beverage control told them that the rules won't be enforced. But people like Jones say they can't run their business behind a government entity saying, trust
4: us. The way that they put these conditions on our licenses last year, the day before the legislature went on vacation, was uh, the very opposite of acting in good faith.
8: The life of a legislative bill, you know, with, with the compromise and the arguments and, and debates that go on, this was just a part of what, what happens. State Senator Gordon Johnson voted for a bill that would ease these rules, and so did every other senator in New Jersey. Governor Murphy gave it a conditional veto, because he asked the legislature to include liquor license reform in a new version of the bill. I had felt that we would have been better off just separating out the brewers and the stillers and and the meateries and those other groups, just do a separate bill for them and work on the the bigger bill later. Unlike brewers in New Jersey, Senator Johnson is confident that relief will come soon. I'm 95% sure that the brewers will have uh, the the relief they're looking for uh, on the governor's desk before the end of the session.
4: Sometimes it just feels like New Jersey does not want us to succeed. And, and that's, that's kind of a tough pill to swallow.
8: Jones is worried about what could happen if a bill isn't signed during the lame duck session.
4: I don't have any plans on closing and uh, I'll fight for it. But uh, I think you're gonna see a lot more breweries closing. You've seen a, a trend of it in the last year and I think you'll see more.
8: New Jersey breweries sent a letter to the ABC two weeks ago asking for another six month pause but say they've never received a response. Governor Murphy's office deferred our request to the Attorney General's office, who declined to comment for this story. In Hackensack, I'm Ted Goldberg, NJ Spotlight News.
1: In our Spotlight on Business Report, there's still a few days left to apply for the state's Anchor Property Tax Relief Program. The deadline is this Friday, December 29th, and you could be eligible for a sizable chunk of money. Homeowners 65 and older who meet certain income requirements qualify for more than $1,700. Homeowners under 65 who make less than $150,000 a year, they qualify for a $1,500 check. Now, renters, are also eligible for the program. The state is using information from the 2020 benefit year, so you had to be a renter or homeowner then. According to the Treasury Department, already more than a million and a half residents received nearly $2 billion in total payments. In some cases, the department may contact you for more information in order to verify the application. You can visit the state's Anchor website to make sure your application wasn't filed automatically. If not, most taxpayers can sign up online. Opponents of New York City's congestion pricing plan are getting a chance to weigh in. The MTA this week announced the public comment period begins today and includes four public hearings that will be held virtually and in person. The first one is scheduled for February 29th at 6 p.m. The rest are March 1st and March 4th. Under the proposal, which could go into effect this spring, cars will be charged a $15 fee for entering Manhattan south of 60th Street. Trucks will be charged between 24 and 36 bucks, depending on the size. The MTA board says the fee will contribute millions to the city's aging transit system and cut down on traffic. You will get a $5 credit if you use the Holland or Lincoln tunnels from New Jersey. But Governor Murphy and other state officials say Jersey commuters are getting ripped off, vowing to take further legal action to block the plan after already filing a lawsuit against the federal government. And it's a shortened week for Wall Street. The S&P is nearing a record high for the year. Here's how stocks close today.
0: Support for the Business Report, provided by Rowan University. Educating New Jersey leaders. Partnering with New Jersey businesses. Transforming New Jersey's future.
1: And finally tonight, a conversation with one New Jersey resident who's striving to improve the lives of her neighbors in Jersey City. Christine Bell launched her nonprofit organization 100 Kids Inc. in 2019 with the goal of giving kids access to programs she never had as a young person, while caring for her mom growing up in the south ward of the city. Bell says the organization is combating a historical lack of access to mental and behavioral health services in the area, and the seed to become a change maker was planted in her at a very young age. Christine Bell, it's such a pleasure to get a chance to talk with you. The mission of 100 Kids, Inc. is to create a safe haven for every child. How do you do that?
5: Whew. Our first goal is to create an environment where they feel welcome, they feel open, they feel that they can come into and be their natural selves. So when we open our doors, when we're offered the opportunity to open our doors, I spend two hours before the children even come into the environment setting it up or before the adults come into the environment for a workshop setting it up because our goal is when you feel at home and you feel like you're wanting and someone's catering to you, you're more likely to come in and disarm yourself for a little while.
1: You hone in on this particular part of Jersey City where you were born and raised. Yes, ma'am. Why look at mental health? I mean, there's a lot of things that the youth needs, but if you're gonna focus on kids, why are you zeroing in on the mental health aspect?
5: Personally, it was based on my upbringing. I have a mother who gave me permission to say that she uh, suffers from schizophrenia and bipolar. I remember being a child and watching her go through her episodes. She had me at 27 years old. That is the height of her schizophrenia. And I'm watching her go through these episodes. I am going with her to hospitals. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. The family doesn't understand. Only thing culturally they could say um, is, your mom is different. However, the disturbance that her diagnosis created in a home, which was not intentional, had a ripple effect within my life. And the only thing I can think about with 100 kids, excuse me if I get emotional, is having a safe space there having a place to go where someone can answer questions. There wasn't no case management for my mom. There was no, DCPNP was there or DCF was there, but there wasn't a way to help my mother become the mother she is today. And
1: you didn't have that safe
5: haven. I didn't have that safe haven. I was blessed to grow up with an aunt who did her best to create it for me, but me and my mom was in the streets homeless. We were homeless a majority of my life. It wasn't until my uh, young adulthood that I had a home to call my own. And during that time, my mother was still uh, dealing with her battle within her mental health.
1: How do you go, Christine, from being a kid who's witnessing all of this, who's going through a lot of of trauma and instability, like you said, to now creating a nonprofit where giving kids stability seems to be your main
5: purpose. It was not easy, it is not easy. Um, Coming into any community and having conversations on mental health is people want it, but they also fear it in a way. They don't understand it. It is something that cannot be cured overnight. It requires maintenance.
1: Christine Bell is the founder of 100 Kids, Inc. If you can reach one, you can reach 100. (laughs) Christine, thank you so much.
5: You're welcome, thank you.
1: That's gonna do it for us tonight, but don't forget to download the NJ Spotlight News podcast so you can listen anytime. I'm Brianna Vanozzi. For the entire NJ Spotlight News team, thanks for being with us. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.
0: NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years. And by the PSCG Foundation.